Welcome to the Personal Finance Podcast Show, where we show that money matters. I am your host, content editor, Ruan Eurster, and this is your monthly pension plane episode for December, and also our last show for 2022. Today, we're joined by David Herford, CEO of Fairhead's Benefit Services, an independent administrator and service provider to the retirement and fiduciary industries across the country. David is here to, to take us through the meaning and importance of beneficiary funds and how they impact our everyday lives. There's also an interesting story behind it. Welcome, David. Hi, thank you very much for having me this morning, Ron. As a start, can you explain to my listeners what a beneficiary fund is and when and why they came about? Yeah, sure. So a beneficiary fund is a uniquely South African vehicle, um, and it is designed to uh, look after money that is left behind for dependents of deceased retirement fund members who are unable to look after that money for themselves. Um, so so they, they started in 2009 um, as a result of some earlier uh, events um, which occurred. Most, most of your listeners would, um, would recall, I'm sure, the Fidentia scandal of the early 2000s. Um, and the Fidentia scandal essentially was um, the theft of, of many millions of rands from umbrella trusts which were held uh, on behalf of, of minor dependents of, of deceased retirement fund members. And um, when when that when that um, that that crisis occurred, um, the regulator stepped in and created this vehicle called a beneficiary fund, which was a far more regulated vehicle than umbrella trusts were previously. So they designed the uh, a beneficiary fund, which is a pension fund organisation, which falls under the Pension Funds Act and falls under the supervision of the FSEA, which was then the FSB. Um, and that's how they came about. So, so really, uh, fairly, uh, fairly young type of vehicle, only only around since two thousand and nine, um, but play a very, very important role in in the sort of social dynamic of South Africa. David, you mentioned a beneficiary trust that was um, um, the previous vehicle that was used and uh, abused by the people that were in charge of Pedentia. How do the two vehicles differ? So, so yes. So I'll, I'll I'll explain a little bit about Umbrella Trust. They said they 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 sort of became um, um, vehicles that was were used in in the late eighties. Prior to that, you know, money that was left over for for dependents of deceased retirement fund members was you know held in, in in various vehicles, money market accounts, and there was very little regulation. And so, uh, in fact, my previous CEO of Fairheads Benefit Services one of, was one of the pioneers behind the. Um, creation of these umbrella trust vehicles um, and together with Alexander Forbes back in the 18, 1980s um, developed this umbrella trust idea which was a, a, a single deed which, which allowed many beneficiaries to participate in that same deed. Um, each member would, or each beneficiary would have their own account and would be separately accounted for but it would hold money on behalf of many thousands of, of, of beneficiaries and the idea behind it was really to to share the costs of trusteeship and uh, be able to be in a position to to invest at scale and take advantage of the benefits of that scale um, so so an umbrella trust is is exactly that it's a it's a, it's a trust it's, it's it's regulated under the trust property control act uh, registered with the Master of the High Court, 
Um, and you know, has all of the sort of the um, the supervisory or, or, or regulatory requirements as any other trust would. Um, the key differences between the trust and the beneficiary fund, however, are that the beneficiary fund, as I said, uh, lives under the Pension Fund Act. It is a pension fund organization, and as a result of that, also is a, a tax exempt vehicle. It's a completely tax exempt vehicle from any in, um, income or gains. Um, the other side of it, of course, is that it's a much more regulated vehicle. The FSCA is far more um, um, has, has a far greater supervisory role in terms of beneficiary funds. Um, for example, the administrator who um, administers a beneficiary fund must have a 13B license. Um, it must be a registered pension fund. Um, there are annual 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 financial statements which are due quarterly reporting which are due the investments must be regulation 28 compliant so all of the all of the same um, um, requirements that exist for pension funds in south africa exist for beneficiary funds whereas with umbrella trusts it's simply um, um governed under the trust property control act and, and registered with the master of the high court um, you know from a from a from a Fairhead's perspective, we do still run umbrella trusts. Um, there are there are still many many millions of rand sitting in umbrella trusts, which were um, paid into those trusts pre two thousand and nine. And from our perspective, we run them practically exactly the same, with the same levels of governance, same policies and procedures, same level of oversight that 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 happens. It's just that the one doesn't exist under the Pension Fund Act. Oh, that was going to be my next question if umbrella uh, trusts still exist but let's get back to beneficiary funds what is the size of this market now since 2009 and who are the major players so so the beneficiary fund market has grown quite significantly and it's, it's, it's probably around 16 or 17 billion rand now um the 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 key players the bigger players in the industry are obviously feds benefit services which is probably around about 40 percent of the market um, and then the other key players would be Sunlum, uh, Alexander Forbes, and then there's uh, one or two others. Absa also run an umbrella trust. Um, Standard Bank also run uh, a big part of a beneficiary fund. Standard Bank also runs a beneficiary fund, um, although they are somewhat smaller than the ones that are run by Fairheads and, uh, and Sunlum and Alexander Forbes. David, you mentioned that beneficiary funds fall under the Pension Funds Act. So how does the act stipulate or prescribe of how and when money ends up in a beneficiary fund sure so so you, i'm sure your listeners would be aware Ren, of the uh, infamous section 37c of the pension fund act and section 37c of the pension fund act requires that retirement fund trustees um, when there's a, 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 a member dies um, whilst they are a member of a pension fund um, the board of trustees are charged with making a decision about how that money gets distributed. It, that, that money doesn't fall into the estate of the member, but rather the trustees must look at um, three key things. They first need to determine who the dependents of the member were, um, what equitable distribution should be made to those dependents, and then finally, what the mode of payment should be. So, so it's, a, it's a huge burden that is placed on boards of trustees to look into the life of their deceased member and make decisions about what must happen with their retirement fund benefit. And, you know, I guess it's part of the social contract that exists within the pension fund organization because of all the significant tax um, um, benefits that come with the retirement fund industry. Um, you know, there is an onus on 
the 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 retirement funds to ensure that the dependents of the member are, are not left destitute. So section 37C really sets out those three things. Um, once they've determined who the, 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 the dependents were and they've de determined an equitable distribution, they need to decide on a, a mode of payment. And one of the mode of payments that they can um, they can they can utilize is pay to pay money into a beneficiary fund. And they will do so where the uh, member is a minor or the dependent is a minor and the guardian or caregiver of that um, of that dependent is not capable or competent to look after that money themselves. So they will then opt to use a beneficiary fund and place the money into the beneficiary fund until that child reaches the age of majority, which in South Africa is 18, um, at which point the money will then be paid directly to that, um, that dependent. Um, the other, the other um, times that a beneficiary fund would be used is where there is a, uh, a dependent that is disabled or laboring under some other legal disability, which would preclude them from being able to receive that benefit themselves. Um, or alternatively, if, the, if, the, if the, um, the guardian or caregiver consents to that money being placed in a beneficiary fund. So they actually ask for that money to be placed into the beneficiary fund, which more and more is something that people are doing. David, we've already kind of determined that Umbrella Trust was found wanting, but not all beneficiary funds are created equal. What should retirement fund trustees look at when they select a beneficiary fund and with whom? Yeah, look, I'm really glad you asked that question because not all beneficiary funds have been created equal. Um, and one of the one of the things that uh, again has been a blight on the industry was the recent failure of Bopello beneficiary uh, beneficiary fund. Um, Bopello beneficiary uh, or benefit services was an organisation who uh, relatively new organisation um, which had um, had developed a beneficiary fund, um, but unfortunately the. Um, um, the benefit was 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 again stolen, uh, and some fifty five hundred odd million rand of, of of members of children's money was uh, was lost. Um, well, we're actually in the process of helping to try and clean up that mess um, with the FSCA, um, and so we've taken over the remnants of that to try and clean it up. But again, a, a, a real blight on the industry, and so you know, retirement funds need to look at where they're placing that money and they really do need to do proper due diligence on the um, on the fund that they're using and the things that they should be looking for are things like track record and the independence of the board um, that which is really really important i think that um, boards of of of, of, um, of of retirement funds should be independent or at least have a, a equal independent sponsor um, 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 board and 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 having a good track record of being around for a long time having having um uh, the experience and the 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 track record of having paid out many millions of, of rands to to um to 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 uh, members as they've um, reached the age of majority um you know i think i think that those are the key things you know there's there's many others there's fees there's there's investment um, investment strategy um, there's policies and procedures all of those things go towards making a successful beneficiary fund. But I, I, I mean, I think really the it starts with the board and the governance around the, the board, um, because they are, after all, the ones that are charged with looking after this money for, for, for the minor dependents. Let's get to the crux of this conversation. What are the actual benefits of a beneficiary fund? So, you know, it's an interesting one. Um, the pension fund adjudicator is, is often at pains to say that money should um, be paid to 
the guardian of the uh, of the child in, in the first instance. And only where situations arise where there's a real risk that that money is not going to be used properly should it be paid into a beneficiary fund. And I think in, 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 in general, I, I would agree with that statement. But what we find is that um, large amounts of money that get paid out to the guardians of, of, of these children simply doesn't get used for their benefit. It gets, uh, it, it gets used for all sorts of other things, particularly in South Africa, where there's such high rates of um, over indebtedness and, um, you know, the money actually, it doesn't end up getting used for the child. And so the benefit of a beneficiary fund is that the money does get used for the child. You know, we, we, we do pay out uh, money by, to, to, the, to the child and the family by way of um, um, a small income stipend that we will pay to the, to the guardian or caregiver monthly. Um, but we also pay money out by way of capital distributions. And those distributions are for things like um, education fees, uh, school fees, transport fees, station fees. About 80% of the money that we pay out goes towards the cost of education for the child. And so it's, it's remarkable how far we can stretch this, this money. And in, in, in a lot of cases, it's a, it's a relatively small amount of money, but it's remarkable how we can stretch that money um, so that the child can actually get a decent education. And so I think that that's really the benefit of the beneficiary fund. Of course, there's many other benefits. Um, you know, I mentioned already the taxing, um, tax-free environment for, for any incomes and gains that you earn on those investments. Um, there's the, you know, the, the, the sort of institutional access to investment managers. Um, there's a prudent um, investment strategy. So, so those are some of the side benefits. But for me, it's really about protecting that money for the child making sure that it gets used for the right purposes. Um, I always make the point to boards of trustees that beneficiary fund is not a preservation vehicle. The, the, the point of the, uh, the, the beneficiary fund is to make sure that that money gets used for the best, um, in the best interests of that child um, so that they can get best utility out of in their formative years. The last thing we want to do is hang on to a, lump, a big lump sum of money, deprive the child of a decent education, and then at age 18, give them a whole uh, bunch of money. And, 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 you know, they're not equipped to make good decisions. So, so those are some of the things that I think are really important. And we're moving away from, I think, this paternalistic approach where retirement funds make decisions on behalf of the family of the deceased member. Um, uh, without sort of uh, taking into account their, 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 um, their perspectives um, into a world where I think people should be opting for uh, paying money into a beneficiary fund more and more so that they can partner with experts to make sure that that money gets used properly. David, now let's get to a bit of the nitty gritty of a beneficiary fund. Are these funds only pertain to uh, a pension fund benefits or death benefits from a retirement fund or a pension fund? And who appoints the board of trustees? How does this all fit in together? And, 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 and who should pay attention here? Who are we, who are we speaking here today? So, so let's, uh, there's a few points in that, uh, in that question. Let's, let's deal with how does money get into a beneficiary fund or from what source can, a, um, can, that, can, can money be placed into a beneficiary fund? Um, in 2014, there were some legislative amendments made, which allowed, uh, which broadened the scope for, um, for for various sources of money to be paid into a beneficiary fund, um, and and so really, it's any employment-related benefits uh, accruing on the death of a member of a retirement fund. So what that really means is it includes their pension fund credit that was uh, uh, that uh, that they'd uh, accumulated in their pension fund. It includes 
any group risk which might be payable upon their death. It includes any uh, leave pay, any, any of those sorts of things that accrued from the employer uh, can now be paid into a beneficiary fund. So it's not just the fund credit. Um, so in some cases, the actual lion's share of the money that, that, that flows to beneficiary funds is, is the group risk insurance. Um, and so, 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 so that's really the source. And that it also includes retail products. So don't forget about retail products that, you know, if you've got a retirement annuity and you die in service, that's still subject to, um, subject to the um, Section 37C of the Pension Fund Act. And that money can also be placed into a beneficiary fund. Um, the, the, so, so that really deals with the source of, 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 of funds for a beneficiary fund. Um, in terms of who appoints the trustees, well, really it depends on, on, on the type of fund. So if we look at, for example, a commercial beneficiary fund, such as the Fairheads Umbrella Beneficiary Fund, which is the largest beneficiary fund in the country, um, it was started by Fairheads Benefit Services, um, and the first board, board was appointed by the sponsor, Fairheads Benefit Services. Um, subsequent boards have been appointed by that board, and the 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 aim there is to get the the best possible people onto that board um, with the greatest level of skill and, and and experience, so that we can get the you know a really strong strong board. Um, we place a lot of emphasis on independence, and so we are we have we do have a fifty um, percent independent board. Uh, which I think is really important. And you have to have high caliber people on our board. And we're very proud to have very high caliber people on our board. But similarly, if you look at the ones of um, Alexander Forbes, for example, or um, Sunlam, um, you know, their boards would also be fairly high caliber. You, you'd, you'd be scratching your head a little bit, I think, uh, and really questioning whether to pay money into a beneficiary fund if that board isn't a high caliber board. So you do, you do need to interrogate that as part of the governance process of, 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 of selecting a beneficiary fund. That brings me to my the one million dollar question: Why are beneficiary funds not better known or more used? <laughs> well, I have two answers for that. The first one is a bit of a cynical answer, and, and that's got to do, I think, with uh, sort of the intermediary markets who who, who typically wouldn't um, wouldn't place money in a beneficiary fund or, or wouldn't um, advise their clients to place men, ben, benefits into a beneficiary fund um, because I think that there are always going to be uh, products which provide better sources of remuneration for for, for them um, in terms of commission structures. Um, you know, for example, an annuity structure um, often pays significantly better um, uh, sort of commission structures to to financial advisors. So I think that that that's the one of the one of the key reasons, and we've got to work harder at, at educating that intermediary market around. Um, beneficiary funds and why they may may be a very good part of the overall solution for a client upon the death of of of, of a family member, um, and and I think then the second part about it is really the same problem that retirement funds have in general, and that is that people don't pay attention to their retirement funds. They don't pay attention to um, you know the the. Um, uh, the benefits of of retirement funds, but also you know the the. Um, the alternative um, 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 issues that flow from that. So, for example, um, if you had to do a survey of of, of you know, typical man in the street, um, I, I, I guess that they probably wouldn't even realise that the money isn't part of their estate. Um, you know, so so I think these are part of the the problem where it's, it's about consumer education, making sure that people understand what a retirement fund is and what happens if you were to die in in, in service. 
That brings me to my last question. You just mentioned consumers or maybe beneficiaries as well. What should they keep in mind if they are a beneficiary or a, 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 a a, um, um, a member of, of a pension fund who's considering uh, these moves um, in the last will and testament, what things do they keep in mind? Uh, I'm, I'm talking about paperwork, maybe financial statements, um, keep in contact if your, 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 your information changed. What are some of the top things that me as a consumer or beneficiary should keep in mind when, when it comes to a beneficiary fund? Yeah, absolutely. Again, very great, very good question. And uh, you know, I want to make the point that I'm not a financial advisor, so I wouldn't want anybody to rely on the, the advice that I provide. But um, you know, for me, it, it makes common sense to, that if you are relying on a board of trustees, particularly with commercial funds where they're quite separate from the membership of the fund, but if you're relying on a board of trustees to investigate the circumstances of your life and determine who your dependents were, um, and then make decisions around that, it makes sense to me that you would want to give them as much information as possible to make their job a little bit easier, um, because otherwise they have to go and do all sorts of investigations to try and figure out what what the circumstances around your your life were, and so for me, you know, I, I personally have written a letter to the board of trustees, and I've attached that to my nomination form, outlining who my dependents are, outlining who um, I, I, I you know why they're dependents, and, and and giving them as much information as to what I think they should do. Now, obviously. They, they, they can't simply act on that. They still have a duty of care to go through a process of investigating, but it does make it a lot easier for them and, and just makes the process a lot quicker. Making sure your nomination form is also up to date is also very important. So that, that, so that you know, it's, it's, it's not just them starting from scratch and looking at, um, you know, what do we do with this money? Because it can take a long time to go through that whole investigation process. And that's the last thing you want to be doing is waiting around um, for, for a board of trustees to finalise a, a Section 37C investigation um, uh, um, following the passing of a, of a loved one. So I think for me that that's the most important thing as a, as a member of a retirement fund is to understand that this money does not form part of your estate, understand that the board of trustees will be, will be, um, um, will be doing an investigation around your circumstances and, and, and to make available to them as much information as you can to make that job easier. Thank you, David. The time is, has caught up with us once again, but thank you for a brilliant conversation today and sharing with us the benefits and importance of beneficiary funds. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us. If you have any questions or remarks on what was discussed today or what, they, what, what you want to hear in future, please email me on ruan.us.inl.co.za or pop us a message on our Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn profiles. You'll find the links in the description of the podcast. This podcast is available on all major platforms as well as on the IOL platform under the personal finance section. Until next time, which will be the second week in January 2023, this is Ruan Uester and the Personal Finance Podcast.